With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. .NET Rocks, episode 1019, with guest Dan Rosenstein. Recorded Tuesday, August 5th, 2014. Hey, 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 it's Carl and Richard. We're here again. How you doing, my friend? I'm well, sir. Bad about a 400-pound bear wander through the yard this morning. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Richard lives in the Pacific Northwest, specifically <laughs> Vancouver, British Columbia, where the bears love to uh, uh, terrorize the neighborhood. They're they're pretty gentle, aren't they? Um, yeah. Gen- when gentle means taking your shed to pieces to get something inside of it. Yeah, gentle, gentle. Now, but they're, they're not they're, aggressive towards humans normally. I mean, the dog went bananas, but he happened to be inside, so that was good. And the dog's part Klingon, right? So yeah. He, does he care are- if he dies, right? So he just he just go for it. And the bear does care. So every time they, that's a, there's ever been a confrontation, the bear does run away, which doesn't help the dog. Yeah, it doesn't help his ego. No. These are the, black bears we're talking about. So and this is a the- big male. He's been around for a while, and he's a good bear. If you if you put your garbage out early, he'll pop your can and take the bag into the ravine. So basically, the bear takes your garbage out for you. <laughs> and I have seen the, the garbage can lids with the bear claw holes yes. in it. Yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. Anyway, he cruised <laughs> through this morning and said hi. Hey, well, uh, before we get started with Better Know Framework, uh, I need to announce my Kickstarter project, yeah. which is going crazy. This is called Music to Code By, and if you go to tinyurl.com slash carlsmusic, no apostrophe, of course, uh, you'll see that. And, geez, I think it's been, what, seven or eight days? Looks like about a week, yeah. About a week, and uh, I've already raised about 3200 bucks. And it's a $7,500 goal. Basically, the idea is it's, remember the show we did with Mark Seaman? Yep. So this is uh, music that you can put on that isn't going to take too much of your attention, but it's not going to be new age music either. Uh, It's not just going to be amorphous goo. Uh, It'll have a a steady groove to it, but the idea is that it'll it'll keep you focused. Get you in the zone. Can't wait to hear it. Long, long running songs. Yeah. All right. That's it for me. Uh, let's roll the Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? And uh, I do apologize for that music, Dan. He's listening on the on the phone, and uh, he didn't hear anything. So. Um, <laughs> neither did anybody else. Neither did anybody else, right. So. If okay, so I need to talk about because we haven't talked about this Netduino Go. 
So you know what Netduino is? Yeah. It's sort of a .NET version of Arduino, which is a, uh, I think it's a Linux-based uh, Raspberry Pi kind of thing, isn't it? Arduino? Yeah, Arduino is separate from Raspberry Pi, but it's right. yeah, it, it's it's not .NET, that's for sure. No, it's not .NET. I believe it's Linux, but I'm not sure about that. Anyway, Netduino is sort of a .NET version of that, but still uses the Arduino hardware, which, you know, has breadboards and modules that go on top of those breadboards and you stack. I, I haven't used it, so I don't know what I'm talking about, actually, but from what I've seen, it's not as slick as Gadgeteer. Gadgeteer's uh, GHI Electronics is the main company around yeah. Gadgeteer, but they have these modular boards that uh, where you plug in uh, cables and you have modules that sort of hang off of the boards. Well, there is a sort of a Netduino equivalent, and this is it's been here, been been around since 2012 at least. Netduino Go. So if you go to tinyurl.com/netduino-go, that's N-E-T-D-U-I-N-O-Go. There's the technical specs for it. And our friend Pete Brown from Microsoft did this great uh, article, um, the first experiences with the new Netduino Go and how it relates to .NET Gadgeteer. And this is from April 7th, 2012 at tinyurl.com slash Pete Brown NDGO. And uh, it's quite an in-depth article comparing the two. Um, these Netduino Go boards look just like gadgeteer boards I mean, yeah they're they have, all very modular they've got the standard plugs and stuff in them so it's pretty easy to pull stuff in and out like it's good for prototyping i don't know that i'd, I'd want to ship anything with it yeah because there's all extra parts in there that are costing you money that you wouldn't need if you're going to make a bunch of them that's right yeah when it's time to prototype you take the plans and you go to an electronics manufacturer and you say make me a board that does this so uh, but but it is interesting to note that they have this uh, this modular version of Netduino. Um, from what I can tell, there aren't as many modules available for it as there are Gadgeteer boards. However, if you go to the Netduino Go site that I told you about, tinyurl.com slash Netduino Go, this is at netduino.com, there is a Gadgeteer adapter. Oh, really? It's an I.O. expansion module for Gadgeteer Component System Compatibility. Nice. Beta. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Currently in design phase. <laughs> but that's really interesting that they're they're working and playing together. So, you know, you could have some crossover there. Pretty cool. Neat. Yeah. Good find. Yeah, we gotta that's get what Pete I got. back on. It's been a while. Absolutely. We've got to get Pete back on. All right. All right. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 999, the one we did with Stephen Forte, where yes. we were talking about wearables. And there was a little IoT discussion in there as well. Mm -hmm. And Justin has this great comment. He says, uh, uh, some of the neater things I think will come of wearable tech will be seeing how developers use the APIs of multiple wearables at the same time to come up with some more holistic metrics and apply them to more complex problems. Right. And this is with all what it's all about when it comes to publishing APIs, right, is that mashup effect. Yeah. Uh, for example, I just got a Fitbit, and it gives me some neat metrics on my everyday steps and hours of sleep. However, other than the hours of sleep log, the restless and awake times don't seem to be very accurate. Imagine how much more accurate it would be if it was combined with some kind of sleep mask mm. that can measure brain delta waves and REM cycles. Now, there's an idea. Isn't it just? And there was some dedicated um, wearables around that, but I don't think they're still in business. You know, it's really challenging to get into a wearables business and keep it afloat. Yeah. Uh, a huge pain point in fitness metrics is caloric intake. Wouldn't it be awesome to get some kind of interval or close to real-time metrics on your current nutrition levels, similar to how Scott Hansman gets metrics on his insulin levels? Mm. Yeah, except for that part where you have to stick needles yeah, into your body. Exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, there, there is a price to be paid. I, if you ever haven't watched this, Hanselman has this amazing video where he shows his daily work or what, it was his weekly prep for dealing with all that subcutaneous stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, he's been doing it for years. Yeah. You can see the pain on his face. Well, listen, I was recording a Hanselman with him back in the day when I mm -hmm. used to do it with him. And before he... You know, before we were ready to record, he goes, uh, just give me a second. Oh, ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> oh, nothing. I just had to stick needles in myself. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. That sounded horrible. Every day. Oh. Every day. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, really, it's really something. And it, it, what's fun about that particular video I'm talking about is he's very clinical the whole time. Right. Right. And he's explaining it. And you still see him jump every time that needle hits. And for him. those who don't know, he's diabetic. Yeah. Type 1. So, but it does, you know, back to Justin's point here, just this whole conversation about instrumenting your, your body, yeah. right? Being able to know more about your, and, and knowing your blood sugar would be pretty useful. Mm. Just to see that even we, our, our, our body compensates automatically, but, you know, pizza is evil, right? That's right. In, in terms of what it does to your body chemistry. And so to actually, I've seen it on Hanselman's data where you can see his blood sugar go up and just stay up for an extended period of time because of the challenges of digesting pizza. I'd be really interested to see how my body reacted to that too. You um, know, I have seen um, devices that are external to the body that measure blood sugar, and I have no idea how they do that. Yeah, it's it. There is a bunch of interesting developments going on there. Maybe that's a whole other geek out we can get to as well. Just digging into some of this additional instrumentation, Scandow, mm. and there's a bunch of them. So there's a lot happening in this space. Yeah. Uh, Justin continues uh, with that sort of input, you can get near real time suggestions from an app or your Google Glass on the nutritional values that you're currently low on, what food and snacks could probably provide them, what's in your geographical area. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Mm. Have your phone buzz and say, you should really pick up this bar at this store up the road <laughs> based on where your current nutritional state is. That's really crazy. You know, and it, yeah, the, this actually stimulates a whole line of research I've been doing around some of the meal replacement drinks and how folks just don't want to think about food. So Soylent. they have this, they have like Soylent. Yeah. And that's just, there's your meal done. You don't have to think it's nutritionally complete, you know, just to get it out of your head. You don't have that pressure anymore. That's, you know, it's actually a, a good thing to, to have that available i don't think i'd eat it every day but no it, but it, uh, if it's a pain in the butt to eat you know right now and i can't but i have to boom well you get back to like your music we're all about trying to be productive here getting into flow right right so now i'm in flow and body says need fuel right right the fact that i could have this shake mixed up in the fridge pour a glass and know i've eaten well and i'm done now and i can get back to what i was doing right that's pretty compelling it is compelling all right uh, and Jesse goes on to say, as for productivity, combining some of these ideas and devices mentioned in your show could really help identify what J.D. Myers calls. Remember J.D. Myers? I do. Boy, your, he was an exciting guy, wasn't he? He's a great guy. Your power hours. Remember that line? And this, again, another flow concept. Right, right. Those moments when you're in flow based on certain activities, what you eat, the mm -hmm. music, and so forth to get you there. I think it'd be really compelling to have an app reassure me, no, no matter how I think or feel, my historic wearable metrics tell the analysis engine that if I go to sleep instead of pushing through, I'll be more efficient at finishing. Yeah. You know, there's the next thing your device says. You have, you're <laughs> done productivity wise Time now. To go go to, to bed. Right. Right now I have a wife that does that. Yeah. Well, most of us have been, you know, uh, honestly, a lot of this is replacing the need for us to listen to our own bodies, which we yes. seem to be pretty bad at. 
actually. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and we were, we are by nature empiricists. Right. You know, just give me the data. Show me the real data. I could see huge gains in health and productivity when devices are used in combination. Of course, most of this could be optional, but I can see the case where companies could require some kind of wearable usage. For example, a logistics company would most certainly enforce wearables that monitor alertness while a vehicle's in motion and uh, log to indicate when a load's in transit. The, the safety mechanism, I think, is pretty good. You'd also see, you know, people doing very physical things that they get sufficient breaks that they're not overstressing themselves. Like, mm. it's really interesting when you think about instrumentation just to keep everything safer. Right. Uh, and lots of great thinking. Justin, thanks so much for your comment. We're, we're all in and certainly got more to talk about. And I'll send a .NET Rocks mug out to you right away. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And that brings us to our guest, Dan Rosenstein. He's a 15-year engineering veteran at Microsoft, father of two girls, and married to one very patient wife. He has a master's in mechanical engineering concentrating in robotics and controls from the University of Washington, and an undergrad degree in computer science from Washington University in St. Louis. Dan loves robots being a first robotics mentor. I'm sure we're going to learn what that is. And he also loves pinball machines and cars. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Richard and Carl. I appreciate it. You guys are absolutely hysterical. I was listening to your opening segment. I couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's first thing in the morning. We're not even in our funny phase yet. That's right. We're not punchy. (laughs) Actually, we are pretty punchy. Let's see if we can get there. We actually, we are pretty punchy for first thing in the morning. Yeah. I don't know why. It's been a while, actually, since we've recorded a show. So Yeah, it's the nature of summertime, right? We're a little revved up. We get a week off, and then we go again. So first of all, what is a first robotics mentor? Uh, So the first robotics competition is a high school competition for um, uh, freshmen through senior year. Uh, It's a worldwide competition. Uh, The students are given a challenge at the beginning of January, and they have six weeks to build, design, test, implement, and uh, get get a robot ready. After six weeks, they go into a competition season, and they go through a uh, series of competitions until they get to the international stage, which just happened in St. Louis back in April. Um, and being a mentor is being an adult engineering mentor that helps the team get that robot from design to actually implemented. And we teach the kids how to write code, build you know build mechanical systems, wire up electronics build an entire integrated robot and, and compete with it and bring it through the ringer. You know, the, the kids that go to the international competitions go through 85 to 100 uh, individual rounds from their very first round all the way to, Holy to the final. Holy cow, 100 so, rounds? Pretty, pretty rigorous, intense competition. I wonder if this is what my brother Jay does, because he was a, a robotics mentor at his high school when his kids were both in, in high school. I think he might still do it, but there's a little Java programming. There's a lot of design and uh competitions yeah interesting it it sounds exactly like it okay well very cool hey in uh show 990 which was back in june clemens vasters came on and talked about uh the internet of things his show was entitled building the internet of things and from that conversation we learned that these devices should only be clients, not servers, and that they should periodically phone home to a, a server, a known address. And on the server, there's like a bucket where data from that device gets placed. And uh, then we talked about pre-shared keys. Uh, he referenced RFC 4279 TLS with pre-shared keys, where the key is burned into a chip on the device. 
And Microsoft, you guys are really sort of leading the charge in that, aren't you? Uh, definitely aspects of IoT. We we definitely have um, have have technology that we've brought together, and we're we're trying to be uh, cutting edge and leading the charge. I you know I don't want to be the, the the Microsoft employee who comes here and goes, yeah, we're we're first to market, etc. Like we're yeah. this is a large space, and there's a lot of players. We definitely have an angle and a point of view. And it's, it's, it's definitely a pleasure to be part of that. And, and the things that you reference are definitely one part of the overall strategy. Yeah, the conversation started off with security, you know, because that's sort of like security and scalability being the two major concerns there with the IoT. And uh, I think I even brought up the, the Target hack. Remember when all the credit cards were hacked at uh, Target's uh, headquarters? The thieves got in through the HVAC system or some related portal. But it was a device that they basically connected to, and that got them into, you know, the main system where they stole all the credit cards and things. Yep, that, that, that's absolutely correct. Security um, and scalability are definitely two very large pieces of the of, of, of the IoT pie. Another one is definitely performance, um, specifically around low power as well as uh, speed of the devices themselves. Yeah. Um, you, you can imagine that, you know, you're talking about wearables earlier. Um, other other IoT uh, scenarios where you have a very low power situation where the device needs to wake up phone home. And by phone home, I mean send the data to that big bucket you were talking about on the server. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, both security and scalability, very important. And it's one of the reasons why as we bring windows to the IoT space, to this embedded space, to the compact space, um, to these to these micro devices, uh, one of one of the you know two of the big values that Windows brings to the table is the fact that there's built-in security to to the platform. There's many many years of investment into the security of the platform, as well as the scalability of the platform. And at the end of the day, it's Windows. And when you talk about scalability, you can talk about applications running on it. Um, a scalable from that perspective, you can talk about device drivers and the hardware ecosystem. It's scalable from that perspective, and then also, you know, it is it is the the, the Windows Core, which itself is scalable onto you know number of processors, uh, computing power, etc., memory, uh, etc. Et so from from all aspects, you know, having Windows on these embedded devices is definitely a uh, a, a a very unique uh, a point of view that Microsoft is bringing to the table. Now the um there's been a, a big ad campaign recently uh, at Microsoft, and I don't know where it where it, it is, you know, where it's going, where it's being played, if it's being played on TV shows or whatever. But there is a Internet of Things. If you search for Microsoft Internet of Things, you come up with this um, page that's very marketing-ish, you know, to businesses. It's time to get your IoT on kind of thing. And there's some case studies about the elevators, the elevator guys that instrumented all of their elevators with IoT devices and then, uh, uh, you know, all the cool things that you can do with it. So this is really talking to businesses, isn't it? Um, do you, do, I guess Microsoft is really convinced that IoT is the next thing, you know, like cloud was before that and, geez, maybe even websites were before that. But, I mean, you, they, they really anticipate a huge investment in uh, in the enterprise uh, in IoT, do they not? Yeah, ab absolutely. IoT is, is absolutely the convergence of where PCs and phones and, and, and embedded devices are going on the client side, as well as, you know, where web cloud computing is going on the service side. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing time in that the opportunity is extremely ripe, not just for enterprises, as you're talking about, but in other spaces, which, which we can come back to and talk to in a second. 
Um, but yeah, in, in terms of the convergence of technologies and the, 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 the device ecosystem as well as the service, the, the, the server side web ecosystem, um, how, how these things are coming together, it really is the next big thing. And it's not just Microsoft realizing that there's many companies that are, that, that, that are aware that the, that the convergence of the, you know, the price points of the technology, the chipsets that are available, uh, the connectivity of the, the technology, the development tools, how it's all coming together is, is really creating a new, a, 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 a new frontier for computing. Um, yeah. And uh, before we go any further, I need to tell you that uh, if you're an experienced developer or project manager looking for a change of pace, you could consider working with me and my world-class team at AppVNext, which is a new company that I'm starting, building the next generation Internet of Things and NUI apps. So check out AppVNext.com and then go ahead and just send me your, your email and say you're interested. Speaking of IoT... This is uh, I I think this is a good thing to do as well, and the time is right, and uh, I'm, I've got a dream team of developers ready to meet the challenge. But uh, this, what I wanted to ask you was the uh, what is what are the practical things that we can do right now in terms of technology? What can we start working on? What can we download? What can we buy to to start our process? Great question. Um, one of the ways that Microsoft has uh, formalized our effort into IoT is we've constructed the Windows Developer Program for IoT. Uh, it's a program that I hold near and dear to my heart because I'm one of the one of the people that gets to work on it, which makes my job not only the coolest job in the world as far as I'm concerned, but it gets me excited to come into work every single day. The Windows Developer Program for IoT, you can find out more information about it on windowsondevices.com. Windows on Devices, all one word, of course. Okay. Um, the, the developer program, what it is, is we have put together a Intel Galileo. We partnered with Intel. Um, we took an Intel Galileo. We got Windows uh, working on it. Um, this is not a Windows embedded uh, SKU, which which has been in the in the marketplace before. Mm-hmm. This is actual Windows uh, Windows 8 uh, uh, code base. Um, we removed a bunch of components that aren't required to get the, the Galileo working with Windows. We packaged it up into a developer kit. We set up a registration program where we had a very large number of uh, re- registrants come through. Um, and we are in the process of sending out, we've been sending out over the last few weeks, kits, which include some uh, networking cables, USB cable and LED, as well as the, 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 the Windows image and the Galileo to developers all over the world. And I want to stress that we've been very deliberate about making sure that these kits get to all the corners of the world. You know, we don't just stay in, in the U.S. or the U.S. and the U.K. We're going all over the world with this. Um, and once the, you know, once the developer gets the kit, they open it up. There's a card that welcomes them to the program. It points them to windowsondevices.com. And on windowsondevices.com, we have um, a, 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 an SDK that can be downloaded and within less than five minutes, I in fact made a video in less than five minutes going all the way from receiving the package to having it working. You can have the Galileo blinking an LED running Windows um, on, on your desktop. It's actually pre- pretty cool. And the idea here is the Intel Galileo um, is an Arduino-compatible hardware uh, board made by Intel. It's a fantastic board. I cannot stress enough how great the work is that Intel did on this board mm. using the Quark processor. It's pin compatible with Arduino. They did a bunch of good work with Arduino to make it pin compatible uh, to get certification. Um, 
Windows running on it, uh, what we've done is we've created a wiring API which allows direct communication to various different hardware buses so that makers, enthusiasts, and uh, pioneers in, in, in enterprise who want to uh, get an understanding for what the options are for IoT devices as a, dev, as a dev board, as a prototype board working directly with hardware and with Windows, they can get their hands on these boards as part of the program and start building up prototype solutions to get understanding of what, what IoT capabilities there are. Um, at the same time, we have a team called the, uh, the, uh, the ISS team, the Intelligent System Software team. Uh, they're building out the service that is part of our IoT offering. And as the program evolves, we will have um, an IoT client offering that talks to the ISS service as well. So we're definitely building this up in small stages. The first thing was building up the program. Um, getting the getting getting the kits assembled, getting them out the door, getting the software ready for them. We're also building up the service side at the same time. And as the as the months go by, this program doesn't end with the Galileo. The Galileo is the first board in a journey of boards that we will be putting into to the program, getting them to developers so that developers can start building the machinery to build the Internet of Things. Okay. Wow. That's so huge. So let's start with the uh, the Galileo. What's different about this than any of the other stuff that I was talking about in the uh, you know in the in the intro, which is the Gadgeteer platform and the Netduino platform? What's different about this? Is does does this have the chip built in with the ID? You know the 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 key that that Clemens was talking about. So I actually don't know. I don't know if the security chip is on the board. I'm sorry, I don't know that. that that's information I can definitely find out. I do not know it offhand. Easy enough um, to find out, yeah. Yeah, that, that, it's, it's a great question. I wish I did know the answer. I unfortunately don't. Um, the, the great thing about it, uh, about the Intel board, um, about the, the, the Galileo, uh, is, number one, that the Quark processor is an x86 compatible processor. Oh really? Um, which 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 already brings value to the table, um, from from the sense that it's not a micro control. It, it it it's not a you know a, a, a traditional microcontroller pro, uh, processor. It's actually a um a a, a, a full x eighty six set, which brings the richness of Intel's you know years of experience in chip design and uh, application compatibility. Um. With Windows, what it brings is the uh, entire the entire ecosystem of of uh, devices, you know, USB devices, drivers on the x86 platform, etc., um, as well as Win32 applications. Now, the thing that I should stress is that this specific Quark chip has some differences from a standard x86 chip, and so I'm not making any claim that there's a full level of backwards compatibility, driver compatibility, application compatibility. But the idea is that because it's an x86 chip, because it's got Windows running on it with, with the partnership that we did with Intel, um, or the work that we did in conjunction with Intel, because of that, um, it's bringing the, the Windows ecosystem to these embedded devices. Now, some of, the, some of the differences is that this is more of a computer geared towards the embedded space rather than a dedicated microprocessor, okay? Um, things like the Arduino, the Netduino, the, the, um, 
they run a very a very small, very low footprint chipset with a very, very, very thin operating system typically. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm speaking in generalities here. Sure. Obviously, each of the systems we're talking about, I'm not talking about anyone specifically. Yeah. Um, and the idea is that they get closer to a real-time operating system. The uh, and they're they're marketed towards a very different price point and a very different uh, set of use cases. The the Arduino's, for instance, um, are a much much lower uh, price point, but they also have less capabilities than the Galileo board does as a whole. The Galileo has networking; it has multiple different buses on it. Um, it has a GPIO bus, ITC bus, a SPI bus as well. Uh, it's got USB both as a client and as a host. Um, these are all things that are possible with an Arduino, but they're all things that you have to get a shield or an extension board in order to enable. These are all things that are part of the, the Galileo package as is from day one. So is the Galileo just for prototyping or is it for uh, deployment as well? Great, great question. The Galileo as a product from Intel, uh, you can deploy commercial solutions on it. Galileo with Windows at this point uh, is only for prototyping pre-release work. We are not making it available for uh, uh, production solutions. So is the Galileo for Windows actually for sale? Because I could see there's lots of Galileos for sale online for 100 bucks. So um, to, 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 to be clear, um, it's not Galileo for Windows. It's actually the opposite. It's, it's Windows running on a Galileo, and the Windows is part of the Windows developer program right. for IoT. To, to answer your, your specific question, it's a great question. You cannot go out and buy Windows and install it in a Galileo. You have to be part of the program that I was mentioning earlier at windowsanddevices.com. Um, as a program uh, participant, if you receive one of the kits, you get the Galileo with Windows. Um, the the intent here is to get the Galileo and the Windows offering for embed for for, for, for this uh, for for, uh, for 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 this maker community out into the field. Um, get it out to developers and let developers experiment with it. Most importantly, provide feedback back to Microsoft for what works and what doesn't work. We are right. actively listening to that feedback. I am one of the people who's actively listening to the feedback, bringing it, you know, I'm part of the engineering team. I bring it to, to our daily triage, to our daily discussions. Um, and it's helping us identify where are the places that we need to invest and where we don't. We don't look at the Galileo um, with Windows running on it as it is today as a, you know, as the final solution. It's the first step in a journey of boards that will be upcoming that will drive towards the IoT, the, the, the IoT ecosystem from Microsoft. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? Must be that happy time again. Yeah. Time to call on the spirit of Galileo and go directly to jail. What? We won't pass go and we won't collect $200. Because <laughs> <laughs> Galileo, as you know, was jailed. Yeah. For... That's because he was a heretic. He was a heretic. Clearly. Like running <laughs> Windows on, uh, on a Linux device. He didn't pass go. Who would do that? He didn't collect $200. Was that the Netduino Go he didn't pass? <laughs> no, it's the language. Ah, even better. Pass. I'll pass. <laughs>
Uh, no, it's time to give a D-Experience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who today's winner is, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy, who's our winner? Today's winner is Jeff Amos. Congratulations, Jeff. Golf clap for you, sir. Oh, oh, clappers. I hear the clappers. Uh, you got the clappers. And uh, Jeff just won the D-Experience subscription from Developer Express, a whole big pile of awesome from them. Hey, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show we give away something like this, and every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology that one lucky member picked at random gets to decide what they get. Once they decide we're not Nigerian princes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy, actually. We got to talk their wives into it. Don't worry, we're not Nigerian princes. (laughs) They want to talk to us before anything else happens, right? No, I'm not giving you my bank account number. (laughs) Yep. All right. Don't need any of that. Just a mailing address and an idea of what you want. We're paying. Well, Dan, we'd like to ask our guests, if you had $5,000 to spend today on technology, what would you buy? And I think I know the answer. (laughs) Uh, So so, so, um, I I could actually use a lot more time in the day. So if I could find a 25-hour clock or a flux capacitor for my DeLorean, I would be happy with either of those. Hey, look at that. You know, um, this is one thing that Jonathan Zook said, that he would take that money and hire a personal assistant. To yeah. give him more time. Um, and then um, with, with that more time, the, the, the $5,000, while, you know, while definitely a, a great sum of money, I've got a backlog of projects. I repair pinball machines. I'm converting my DeLorean to electric. So that, that money can go in, in many different places. But what I would definitely want is a Galileo running Windows, of course. No, uh, all, 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 jokes, all, all jokes aside, um, what I would actually like is I take the $5,000 and I just go buy all of the um, – all of the, the shields that are available in market and just get them working with, with the Galileo. It's one of the things that I've been doing on the side. I was on vacation last week. I did that. Um, it's actually a, a total pleasure just watching these things come up, work, you know, um, get, get, get them working. I've got an LCD screen right now that I got working last week with, with the Galileo. It's just, it's just very, very satisfying. And that's what I do with the money. I, I know it's kind of cheesy, um, but I, I actually like tinkering. I like making. It's what I do in my, on, on my free time. And so, um, it's it's great that my job aligns with it. Um, one yep. one thing I actually wanted to add, uh, mention about you know since you're .NET focused, you had asked about the uh, the Netduino. There was one uh, difference that I didn't offer that I should to this audience, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um, right now, we do not have the .NET framework working on the Galileo with um, with with Windows. It's something that's definitely on uh, uh, supporting .NET framework um, uh, through the uh, uh, through the Windows uh, Windows Developer Program for IoT is definitely on a roadmap. It's something that's important. But I wanted to make it clear. I didn't want to leave leave the conversation without uh, offering that we do not have it right now on the Galileo. That was my next question. Anyway, Dan, I was right there with you. It's like because I know the Netduino will run the 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 .NET micro uh, framework. So the I'm, now I'm trying to figure out 
because the price points are that far apart. Like, what does Galileo bring to the table that's so much more compelling than Netduino? A couple of things. The way that we look at the ecosystem for, for devices is that there are a class of Internet of Things devices that are truly low power, low touch point. You know, these, these are the things that, um, like an, an electric meter on your house, as an example, right. will, will wake up every few days, send a little bit of data, you know, your, your electric usage back to the, to the utility, go back to sleep. And .NET micro framework running on something like the, 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 the Netduino may be a very good solution for that type of thing. There are other situations where you want to have a device that's more closer to always on or always active, um, and that is, is, is communicating back home. This is, this is where, and by communicating back home, I mean to an, an IoT service um, like ISS. This is where, um, where something like the Galileo, which is uh, you know, running Windows, has x86 compatibility, brings in the entire device ecosystem and, and, and application ecosystem. What that allows is, as an example, if you have a company who's uh, got an install base of software um, in, their, in their enterprise, and they want to bring some of that software to a uh, embedded IoT solution. Right. You know, um, they can do that because this is a Win32, or excuse me, a Windows um, x86 compatible compatible system. Um, in addition, if they have a, a device ecosystem on a USB bus or any of the existing buses that are supported by Microsoft uh, 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 via Windows, again. The, this is a good entry point to get that connectivity working. I'm not saying that the Galileo supports every single bus. What I am saying is the roadmap, the, the, the direction we're going with the developer program and the IoT device offerings, the idea is that we're not, uh, we're not necessarily looking at, you know, the lowest end, lowest power, lowest consumption devices. Windows is actually very good at that next tier where um, the, 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 the value of the ecosystem, both in terms of software and hardware, comes to the table, as well as connectivity, of course. Um, the thing to note also is the ISS offering, the service offering that we have, uh, that we're building for IoT, it's not just going to run from, you know, a, a Galileo or something from the Windows developer program for IoT. Right. There will be work so that it runs on a breadth of devices to communicate back with the uh, with, 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 with the uh, uh, ISS system, and, and m- more on that to come. I see the distinction looking at the hardware specs itself. That you know, Netduino's run on stuff like the ST Micro uh, processor. They're they're much lighter weight, lower power, lower speed, lower memory devices. Where what Intel's got in the quark is a is a system on a chip based on the Pentium. Yep. So. Right away, you're not going to ever run the .NET micro framework on a Galileo. You should be able to run the portable class libraries. That 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 is a very reasonable statement. Yes. Okay, not one you could confirm, and I completely appreciate that. But it, <laughs> as a guy not employed by Microsoft, looking at the specs on this gear, I'm like, this thing looks more like the chipset for a phone, right? Than it does look like a chipset for an ultralight device. Um, no comment. The, the- <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 well, the, the thing, the thing to note, um, is that the, the, there was, there was, a work done so that the quirk is, you know, it, it is a sock. It is a much lower power consumption device yes. than the Pentium originally was. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, what you said is a reasonable statement, but I don't want to discredit the, 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 the quirk because it does actually play very nicely in the space that you're saying that, um, at, at that lower end. 
it's not necessarily for the absolute lowest end. I, I don't want to comment about the quark chip by itself. I want to talk about the Galileo as a whole. Um, it's definitely not with, with, with Windows. It's definitely not for that absolute lowest end, you know, very, very extreme, lightweight uh, p- uh, power device. Um, but it is, it is definitely in, the, in a much lower power consumption camp than, than the Pentium chip was before. Yeah, and and it it seems like we're headed. It seems like the price point's close too. Like it may be more than a Netduino, but it's not a hundred times more. I think maybe double. Right. You know, double the price somewhere in there. That I I don't remember the 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 the, the price point of the Netduino at this uh, off the top of my head, but roughly double. It's not. It's definitely not a hundred times as 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 you said. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean, it, it, what I find interesting is we're headed towards this point where commodity hardware is all we need, but we get to use regular commercial stuff with it, and that's that's pretty that's powerful. Exactly, that, yeah, that that's exactly correct, and that is the value of bringing Windows to the space. Is that this is while while the Windows of uh, while the Windows that we have is a um, is is a uh, trimmed down version of the overall Windows offering, like this, the Galileo doesn't have a GUI, or, uh, uh, and, and so uh, uh, some of the user interface components have been removed. The core of Windows is there, and that's the compatibility of the ecosystem, and the drive for compatibility of the ecosystem is there, which makes it a very compelling offering. Yeah, I, and again, it's like, I want to take my existing code base around. Like that, That's what's interesting to me. And the PCL approach should be light enough that this should just work for PCL. Rather than full framework. So right now, uh, does it run a flavor of Linux? So um, you, you mean the Galileo? Yes. Yeah. So when Intel ships the Galileo, it ships with a version of Linux on it. I don't have any of the details about the version of Linux. Mm-hmm. Uh, the work that, that that's by itself, if you were to buy it in retail, if you could find it on Amazon or, or some other retailer, mm-hmm. um, you would you would get it out of the box running running Linux. Uh, the boards that we ship through our developer program have been modified um, uh, in conjunction with Intel to uh, to run Windows, and we send Windows, and it boots to Windows right away um, as, uh, uh, as 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 part of the part of the offering. Great, and and this thing you can I guess you can plug in into a monitor with HDMI, perhaps or VGA. So it does not have HDMI out. It does not have VGA out. There is no um, there is no standard output. I see. for for video. However, like like I like as, as as I briefly mentioned previously, while I was on vacation last week, I got an LCD screen working over an I2C bus with 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 the device. So I've got text out, even you know uh, basic ASCII graphics. It's it's not HDMI, but it definitely does give give an aspect of output that 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 you know is very useful. Hmm. You, you you had uh, talked about comparisons with Raspberry Pi. It's it, it, right. that's a reasonable thing to note. The Raspberry Pi does have a uh, video output. Um, the, the 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 Galileo as is uh, as is does not. Um, it's just just a difference between the two. Um, one other thing to note in terms of micro devices that we were talking about compared to something like the Galileo. If you want to do much more intense processing itself, let's not even talk about the the, the power consumption, um, which which we had touched upon. If you want to do something like facial detection or um, or feature detection for for image recognition, these types of things, much more uh, compute intensive. This is the type of chipset that you would want to do that on, not something like the like l- 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 like a micro uh, uh, embedded controller. Um, some of the micro embedded controllers may be able to do that, uh, but this is the, you know this is where I would start 
you know, um, with, 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 with my algorithm or my implementation of such so a thing. This is, uh, even though it's low power, it's very powerful. It's more yeah. powerful than the, than the other things in its class. Um, I, I, I would, I would love to say that I'm not going to go out and say that I don't have the performance, um, okay. the performance data to be able to, 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 to substantiate that. But I, you know, the, the, the performance of these chips just based on spec is definitely, um, is definitely exceptional. Okay. Yeah. The design just, you know, as a hardware guy looking at the design, I'm like, you guys are only the beginning of the sock right. design and it's already, faster and with a more compatible chipset than the mature netduino design like the the problem the problem with this up till just recently is it would have been too power consumptive and too hot but right. if they've taken and I, and I know intel's been working like crazy on this if they've taken those old chip designs and they've made them lighter and more efficient and you know a small uh, a faster design they can really get the power consumption down so that's what this looks like to me yeah, um, I, I, what you said is ab, is is, is ab, absolutely accurate. I do want to say that the Netduino is actually a very good device, and it definitely has a uh, importance and relevance in the market. Um, sure, it's 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 something that that we do believe in. Um, you know, it's just it's a different it's a different board for a you, you know at, at the surface it's a dev board. Um, it, it it you know it, it runs an aspect of the of the Microsoft ecosystem, specifically here .dot micro framework. So on the surface, it could look like these you know these two things are um, are in this you know the same class. They're just two different markets for you know for one larger IoT market. But there's clearly a collision coming here between the .dot micro framework and the portable class library. It seems like we're really early to this party, and you guys have a bit more work to do before your average .dot developer can get going with this is that a fair statement yeah that that's absolutely a fair statement the the, the, the windows offering we have for the galileo does not have the dotnet the dotnet the, the framework nor the dotnet micro framework so it's native code in c plus plus only is that the idea that, that's exactly correct native code c plus plus and we do have a wiring library which is a dialect of c c plus plus um and what what's great about that is we do uh, we do have uh uh, interface co- uh, c- uh, compatibility with Visual Studio and the, specifically the free offering of Visual Studio uh, for for Win- with Visual Studio Express for Windows Desktop. Uh-huh. And the nice thing is we give the the, the, the between the kit uh, the SDK that we provide and uh, Visual Studio. It's a great debugging experience for the the Galileo running Windows. I would um, I, I I do have an idea here that if somebody's itching to get into IoT now. They could use the Netduino or Gadgeteer stuff that uh, that exists in both spaces in terms of uh, modules or or I I can't remember the word you called them but uh, what did you call shields them? shields yeah shields yeah yeah in terms of shields use the the stuff that does work with C sharp VB Net now and then uh, you know when these new high higher power things come out with support for C sharp uh, it might be a just an easy Poured over. Yeah, it's 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 a great step for the roadmap. Um, the other thing to 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 build off of what you said, the uh, the, the 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 service that that we're offering as well as Azure as a whole, um, there you know the the the, the connectivity to to that system will be will be coming as well, and you know the the intent is to have a breadth offering for that, and so you know starting with those other platforms with the understanding that. Um, that it's a starting point and not the finish point. It, it could be a good a, a good a good jump start. 
The, the question, Dan, is, is the Galileo going to run the .NET micro framework or something else? Um, so the, if it's going to run a C-sharp framework, it will be the, the .NET framework. The, right. the the standard uh, well okay let let me say let me say it different uh, differently the uh, it dot net is what's on our roadmap right okay. um, whether it's for the Galileo or for a future offering that's to be determined and I don't and I don't want to put you in an awkward situation here but I see no reason given the hardware you have in the Galileo to run the micro framework yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 you're not putting me in a, in a difficult situation. It's a completely reasonable question. I'm very glad you asked it. Um, the, the fact that I don't have a an immediate answer means that I clearly wasn't prepared for the question. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, I, I guess you're also getting a genuine answer on it, which is which is a great thing. Sure. Um, if it, the, any any investment we would do in C sharp would be with 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 the full with, with with the starting with the .net framework not the .net micro framework Got i think it. that's a reasonable thing for the galileo given the computing capabilities of the galileo if the you know if we had a board that was a much much lower power low consumption um you know device specifically for that market we would look at the .net micro framework for something like that so and i think the logical thing you would run then is roslyn and the pcl not that you can comment on it. Not that he can comment, but I agree with you, Richard. Yeah. But it that you know, back to your point, Carl, I don't know that if I was a developer and I was looking at getting into IoT that I'd want to go Netduino dot and micro framework, knowing I probably have to do a fairly significant rewrite to go to the Galileo hardware with right. a different implementation of the framework. Maybe I would just write uh portable class library code and run it on a little PC at the you know Or on a phone. Or on a phone, sure. Yeah. Um. The, what, what for, for for your audience? What I what I would recommend is don't look at it as you know .NET micro framework and then to the Galileo. Look at look at the Galileo as a starting point. Um. And if you want to, if you really want to be doing .NET, um. You know the 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 the, the program the, the the offering that the program has right now doesn't meet those needs, unfortunately. Um, however, getting into the program and knowing what we're going to do about the .NET micro framework and what we're going to do about .NET and C Sharp, you know, signing up for the program that will get you those answers. Now, can I still sign up for this program and you'll ship me hardware and all that good stuff on an, if I have a C++ program and want to get started? So, um, so uh, the, you can still, so that's a two-part question. You can still absolutely sign up for the program. What I want to make clear is that the program and the kit are actually two two related but separate things. Okay. You sign up for the program, and as a program signee, you get chosen to to be sent a kit. Not everybody who signs up for the program will get a kit, and not everybody who signed up for the program is going to get a kit. We have a limited supply of kits, but program participation and getting a kit are not the same thing. You're okay. in the program just by signing up. You get a kit based on the information you provide and the availability of the hardware. That said, there will be uh, updates to the program, including both hardware and software, that will be relevant for people with and without those kits long term. Now, what can I do with the SDK on its own if I because I can't buy that Galileo board you have? Great. Absolutely great question. So one of the things that we did with the with the SDK is we made it open source. And as a, a very large portion of the SDK is made open source. We have a uh, presence on GitHub. 
Um, if you go to windowsondevices.com and you uh, go, go on that, that first page, you can find out more information about our GitHub presence. Um, and so one of the things you can do with the SDK is actually look at the code. You can see what's there. You can see what we're enabling. Uh, you can actually, it's open source, so you can check out that code. You can make changes. You can make a pull request and get it actually contributed back into what the community sees. You know, this, this is a new Microsoft. This is, the IoT is a, is a, is a newly formed team uh, with, within Microsoft. We're trying to do things, you know, somewhat, somewhat differently than has been done historically at, at, at Microsoft. This is one of the steps that we're taking. So to answer your question, what can you do with the SDK? The first thing is that you can actually look through the code, make changes to the code, and contribute to it. Number two, you can understand where compatibility is and where compatibility isn't. So basically wrap your head around, you know, for the ramp up that, that is, uh, you know, is necessary with any technology, wrap your head around uh, what, what the program is, what the offering is, what the technology is. Um, in addition, the, the other thing that you, you will do by being a program participant is get more information about upcoming offerings and upcoming, uh, upcoming events through the program. Um, in terms of the SDK, the other thing you can do is, uh, is you, can, you can install Visual Studio uh, Express for Windows Desktop for free. You can install our SDK, which includes Visual Studio extensions for the Galileo. Um, and uh, you can actually write code. Unfortunately, you won't be able to execute that code on a Galileo device running Windows um, through the program. But you you can uh, you can actually experiment with writing code and seeing what's there. So you know if you're the type of developer who wants to go and go through the code that creates the SDK, you could do that. If you're the type of the developer that wants to experiment with the code, um, you know see you know see what what uh, what you can and can't build, you can do all that, and you can do it all for free being a program participant. And and you don't really need an emulator for a Galileo. It is just an x86 chipset. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Well, Dan, thanks so much for talking to us. It's been a real pleasure. It's it's absolutely been my pleasure. I appreciate you you guys having me. Um, and like I said, you guys you guys absolutely cracked me up. I'll I'll definitely go back and listen to some of the earlier shows. Awesome. Well, thanks very much. And Dan, where can we reach you on Twitter? I can be found at IoT Dan. Uh, it's my personal account, but I do almost only business through through the account. Uh, that that's where I get you know get in touch with the community where where I help with technical questions where I ask uh, answer questions about the program. Um, I'm I'm always on Twitter and I'm I'm always available and I I want to help I want to help build this community and and I want to see IoT be a success at IoT Dan. All right, great. Consider yourself having two more followers. Me and <laughs> I appreciate it and the minions, of course. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. 
See you next time. Transmitter bands by the FCC. Yes, I'm a toy.